The Diehard Eagles podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. Winning season continues at MyBookie, and they're now offering a free $20 bet with the promo code SGP20. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP20 to get a free $20 bet with your first deposit. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match up to $50. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay per providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Welcome everyone to the Diehard Eagles podcast. I'm Sean stacking the money green with my two diehard Eagles fan friends, Justin and Rob. Let's get things going. Coming off a uh, disappointing loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, had a chance to win this game. Justin will allow you to start. What is your opening rant regarding the Eagles' loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, I, man, that was such a tough game, and I think the the biggest thing that stood out to me was just the secondary. And I know I said it last week. I said if we were going to win the game, the key thing we needed on defense was for the secondary to step up, and they obviously didn't. Um, a huge stat that stood out was. Roethlisberger was 13 for 13 for 158 yards and two touchdowns on third down. I mean, that's just insane. Those numbers are insane. And I mean, I know we talk about the D line getting some pressure on Roethlisberger, but he was just getting the ball out way too quick. And we needed the secondary to do something in order to stop some of that. And I mean, going 13 for 13 on third down is just abysmal in my mind. Um, I mean, Gary, we could point out Gary. I mean, he's obvi- was obviously a huge liability and somebody that people have been talking about not only this week, but you know, with within the past five games. And you know what? I'm, he, I'm he just completely blew it. I'm considering burning my Nate Gary jersey. That's it. I've had it. <laughs> Everyone wants to say that Nate Gary is the slow white guy, but uh, I was listening to another podcast and they pointed out he's actually really fast. Like the guy ran track at Nebraska. He's actually a speedy white guy who just has no idea where to line up in the defense. And Rob, I feel like I'm setting you up for uh, your rant on this loss. What do you got? Who are you pissed at this week? Guys, I'm pissed at one guy. <laughs> and I, I got a confession to make. I'm out. I, I, I'm. He, he's out. He's got to go. Jim Schwartz. I have been, you know, I I'm on a roller coaster ride with Jim Schwartz for, for <laughs> years now. And even the super bowl season, I mean, we gave up what, like 600 yards in that super bowl. And you know, he has these games that just blow your mind from a schematic perspective where it just makes no sense. He's stubborn. He does not adapt. And then he'll have one game. That's like, great. And you're like, okay, well, you know, he, he did a great job. Maybe we should keep him. But, you know, after last game, I'm out. He, there are fundamental flaws with the way he plays defense. 
yeah, we have a great defensive line. We get pressure. His whole scheme is based around that, but you can't just ignore the deficiencies of the secondary. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, he can only do so much. He doesn't have talent. He's dealing with the players he was given, but I'm sorry. If you're a top defensive end, you have to scheme better. We know on that third down play that cost us the game, Nate Gary was lined up against Claypool. Claypool torched us for four touchdowns that game, including that get that play. Hey, Jim, why don't we call a timeout? Maybe that's not a favorable matchup to us. I mean, Gary almost fell over, not to mention quarterbacks <laughs> are perfect throwing against him for the season. So should this really be surprised? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was licking his chops when he saw this. So, you know, I, I, I'm just over it. I think Jim's scheme is fundamentally flawed. You know, you're already hearing things come out too, like, you know, Slay saying, well, it's really hard to get interceptions in this scheme. Or, you know, I, I just think it's enough. It's gotten stale. Everyone gives him, pr- in, him credit. For our, for our defensive line getting pressure, but let me be honest: any good defensive coordinator is going to get pressure with that line. I mean, it's one of the top two or three lines in the league. Yeah, so we've those spent, guys are going to get pressure. We've spent so much money and draft capital on that defensive line; they should be able to get pressure. And you know, even the couple times he's brought blitzes on third down, you're bringing a blitz, and then you still like on a third and eight. And then you still have Jalen Mills sitting 10 yards back. It's like, you can't do that. You can't have Jalen Mills play off like Jalen Mills for him to be successful. He has to, he has to create some contact at the line of scrimmage. Same with Rasul Douglas. Exactly. And and Sean, let me just finish this because I've been stewing on this all week (laughs) and not just that, but this picket fence defense, why are we playing this? We see it all the time. They need five yards for a first down and our, our uh, CBs are 10 yards off. What is he doing? It's stupid. He gets on it. He gets less aggressive on third down and these teams just run all over us. And I get this Ben don't break whatever, but I'm just out on him. He needs to go. You got me on the record. He might have a fantastic week next week, but he's going to slip again. And the consistency is not there. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Cause you look at Schwartz's career with the Eagles, his points per game is usually like over the season or whatever. It's usually pretty good, but it feels like every three or four games, we just have a complete collapse uh, scheme wise. And there was enough talent out there to get some stops against this Steelers defense. Like, yeah, certainly we were outmatched to a certain degree, but the team came back. I mean, once had that uh, that one bad pick, but the team rallied. He had some great drives. Travis Fulgham was going off, but the defense just needed to get a couple stops. The most frustrating part of the entire thing is there's literally no adjustments. It'd be like in basketball if one guy goes for sixty points, you can't just let one guy beat you. After the second Chase Claypool touchdown, I'm doing something different on the defensive side of the ball. Let someone else beat you. Just I mean, because. At the very least, it's it's a morale crusher to just have Chase Claypool get his fourth fucking touchdown. Like, how is doesn't that rattle everyone's confidence? And Nate Gary clearly has no confidence. I don't. I just can't imagine a world where a Davion Taylor, the third round pick. I get it. He's a project. And again, what world are we living in where where we have the uh, luxury of taking a project quarterback in the second round and a project quarterback in the third round? 
Where would what are we, Bob Vila over here with the roster? We could have just a home improvement projects all year round. Like, no, what are you doing? We need in the second and third round, we need starters that can contribute right away. You know, like Miles Sanders, when we drafted him in the second round, it was clear, okay, this guy's is gonna help us pretty soon here. And he had a really good rookie year. Dallas Goddard, same thing. Oh, he's a good second round talent. He can contribute right away. Same thing in the third round. We had these guys, and I, I'm not gonna defend Jim Schwartz, but to me, the, all these problems point back to one man. One man who emerged out of the equipment locker and helped put together the Super Bowl winning roster. And for that, he has my respect. But the time is is really in the uh, in the hourglass, just going away for Howie Roseman. Like the it's it feels like the guys, the young talent we have are almost succeeding in spite of the general manager, not because of it. Like the, the guys that we have that randomly pop are guys that like they just stumbled into and had no idea should be playing. Uh, but again, switching up to the positive. So I, I'm, I'm out on Howie Roseman, but I do have a, uh, I have a case of Fulgham fever. I, I think this guy's legit. Now we've had moments of mirages of guy, a receiver having a good game here or there. Certainly, Deshaun Jackson last year with the two touchdowns, 150 yards. But Travis Fulgham, uh, I mean, he he seems legit. And what I really liked to see was that he was making contested catches. I liked where he was putting his hands to bring the ball in. And Wentz was like, it, it wasn't like Greg Ward who just sat in open space and and Wentz could find him. Whatever he was a good route runner. It, it's something that's not is is you know a nice addition, but isn't like a big number one receiver thing like. Fulgham is just getting good position and making great catches with his hands. I, I loved this. I loved what we saw out of Fulgham and maybe the brightest spot so far in this 2020 season. Justin, wh- where are you at with Fulgham? Are you are you are you buying in the on the hype? Oh yeah, I'm definitely buying in on the hype. I think he's for real. I think he's. Um, I, I know it's only two games, but you can see his talent right off the bat. Like you pointed out, making contested catches, but also something we're seeing from him that we don't normally see from anybody who catches a ball on our team is some yak. I mean, we got to see you know a few yards after catch. Yeah. Um, in this game, which was really nice because typically I'm just uh, I'm so used to seeing a receiver or a tight end, Ertz, not to name anybody, get tackled <laughs> immediately within two yards, and then that's the play and it's over. But he he was able to break a couple tackles too on some plays, so well, that was really nice to see. And and, and speaking of Mister Ertz, uh, Mister Julie Ertz over here, like, can we can <laughs> we get you can we get you fighting for a ball? I I, I know mm. that that ball that went through wasn't amazing, but clearly uh, Ertz got contacted, and then he just kind of stopped running the route. Was if you watch the replay of the interception, he's turned to the ref looking for the flag, and when it Wentz is expecting him cutting in now. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wentz has had some accuracy issues. Although I could, you could say like this is one of his more accurate games, and certainly maybe having Fulgham or a reliable number one receiver makes a big deal. And they even brought it up to Ertz, and uh, he, he said this, which again wasn't taking any sort of responsibility for just not getting open enough this season. He said, "Well, now that the outside receivers are making plays." Um, that'll open up things over the middle. It's like, dude, you're the one that has to get open. Like, yeah, I get it. Maybe people are trying to cover you, but we were trying to cover George Kittle and that didn't stop him from having 15 receptions and uh, 170 yards or whatever. So if you want to be, if you want to get this big contract, which you were belly aching for at, like, show us why we should be giving you that contract. And the fact that he's letting this contract dispute 
uh, it clearly impact his play or he's just washed physically, which I don't think is the case. It seems way more of a mental thing. The fact that he's letting this impact his play on the field shows he's not worth the contract. Robbie, where are you at with Ertz right now? Well, Ertz is is playing so soft, and I can't take yeah. it. I mean, he's been soft his whole career with falling over, and you know, every time he gets touched, you know, you put a finger on him. But this whole thing, I don't know if it's his contract, if you know, him and Wentz just aren't as close anymore. But something's up. And he is not the same guy. And I completely agree with you, Sean. You, you can't use this excuse that you're getting doubled because the truly elite guys in the league, which is what he considers himself and what he wants to be paid as, they find ways to get open. Whether you're being doubled or not, you know, it's his job and Doug's job, quite honestly, as a coach to scheme for it, to get him open and to get him plays. He does have good hands, he catches most things that are thrown on him completely agree with you. He let up on that ball. That interception is 50% on him, 50% on Wentz for not a great ball. So, you know, look, as it stands now, I'm not signing him to a long-term extension. Quite honestly, if someone gave me a great deal for a trade, which I don't think you'll get, I'd listen very hard, you know, especially with Goddard. I think, but Goddard's going to be the, the better tight end in, in very short order. Um, and I just want to go back to Fulgrim because I'm buying this guy, I, I, you know, it's two games, but I'm seeing things from him that I haven't seen from receivers on this team in a long time. He's fighting for the ball, you know, yeah. not, you know, he's attacking. He he's not waiting for the ball to come to him and he's making contested catches, which is really great to see. And he's winning those contests. <laughs> I, I, I read a stat online that I think is telling, you know, Wentz is, is passer rating when throwing to Fulgram is one fifty eight point three. Um, his passer rating throwing to every out el- everyone else is sixty four point six. So clearly, so far, and, and we're obviously in a small window of two games. Th- there's something between them that is just clicking, and we got to ride that wave. They better not take snaps again away from him. He needs to be in there, and he quite honestly, he should be the top target right now. Yeah, completely agree. And this, uh, as we kind of transition to the season as a whole here, uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Wentz. But perfect transition to our hypothetical question of the week, brought to you by Justin. Um, hypothetical question: If Deshaun Jackson and Alshon are back now, they're both. We're taping this on a Thursday afternoon, early evening. They're both practicing and both seemingly healthy. Uh, again, you could go off on, on Howie Roseman for Alshon Jeffrey. Like why was he not on the pup list? Like he's going to miss six games. Like you could have had a roster spot there. You could have had a roster spot putting Deshaun on the short term. IR. they waited a week to put Jalen Rager on the short term. IR. like, they're just fucking up this shit left and right. But if Deshaun and Alshon are back, and it's easy to just say cut them both and whatever, but clearly they seem to want to get them involved somewhat. And again, like it feels like they just want to play them just out of the fact of how much money they're paying these guys. But Justin, yeah, who are your through? Who are your three starting receivers? Your two outside guys, and who do you put in the slot come Sunday? Assuming Deshaun and Alshon are are healthy and able to play, which it seems like there's a chance they will be. Okay, and you're saying Regor is still not—he's not in this hypothetical, yes? Right? Yeah, not in okay. this hypothetical because he's—he's he's still going to be out for I, a week yeah. or two. Yeah, I just want to make sure. I would then—I'd go with Deshaun, Fulgham, and put Ward in the slot. 
Yeah. Um, I, I still like Deshaun there. I, I like the promise of Hightower. Um, but I just um Deshaun healthy is still is still good. Maybe close to great, not quite great anymore, but if he's healthy. All right. That yeah, that's a, that's an interesting. I mean, it'll be interest it's it's gonna be interesting to see what they do because I think Fulgham is like a Alshon Je- like a young Alshon Jeffrey in a lot of ways with the way he he kind of uh bodies those uh, balls and stuff. Rob, what are you doing? Who are your who are your starting three receivers for this uh for this upcoming match game against the Ravens here? Assuming yeah, ass- yeah. assuming Deshaun and Alshon are healthy because it kind of makes it more interesting question. Well, let me put this out there. If I'm in charge, Alshon's never seeing the field again. So he's yeah. immediately out in my mind. I, I don't want him out there. I don't think he's bringing anything to the table. The only reason he's still on the team is because how he gave him an awful extension that, you know, put us in, in a, you know, cap nightmare if we cut him. So he's there, uh, but he's never seeing the field if I'm in charge. So he's out. Fulgram is the number one. He's getting the most targets. Robbie, I, real quick. I agree. You keep yes. calling you, you're doing the uh the Eagles uh caller uh thing on, on 97.5. You're I think you're putting an R in Fulgham. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, I, I I I'm it's it's Fulgham, right? A Fulgham. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Fulgham. Yeah, Fulgham. It is. It is. I'm I apologize. <laughs> no disrespect to him. Um Fulgham. Uh so look, he's my number one. He's starting and he's rocking this the rest of the season until someone beats him otherwise. I'm keeping Ward in the slot. He's a dependable receiver. I agree with Justin. You know, he he's done nothing to 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 warrant taking him out. And and I I actually am with Justin. I got to put Deshaun out there. I think you got to see what's left in the tank. You keep the speed on the outside. It does open things up. But I'll be honest. I am mixing in Hightower. He's going to get significant playing time because I do think he has some potential. So. You know, Deshaun's not going to be in there for every snap. I mean, D- Doug was load managing him week one, so yeah, true. You're going to need high tower ready to go. And quite honestly, once Rager is back, he's probably starting for me over over Deshaun. He's back in there, so you know, agree th- with there's that. Just, there's just this weird things with our receiver and the roster that we've now seen for two years in a row that's troubling. You know, why is it that these guys that are making an impact with you know Ward, Fulgham? Why are they taking so many weeks to get into the game? You know, why aren't they being put on the team off the practice squad or starting earlier? It, it's a little troubling that the team is not identifying this talent earlier. Um, you know, th- they're better this year, but again, if this guy was so good, why aren't they seeing that in camp? And and why wasn't he in week one? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to defend them a little bit, there wasn't a preseason, so maybe they defaulted to the veterans, but it really is an issue. And again, an issue that I think Howie Roseman is a big part of. I I think there is too much of the personnel decisions uh, from the front office impacting the personnel decisions on the field. Like I just couldn't imagine that, uh, you know, I mean, if you're Carson Wentz right now, do you want Alshon Jeffrey out there? Like, no, there's no way he wants him out there. And does Doug want a receiver out there that Carson Wentz doesn't want out there? It's like, no, Doug's a quarterback. Doug's Doug, you know, he played, he played in the league a little bit. He's got to understand the chemistry between a uh, Travis Fulgham and, and Carson Wentz right now. He, he, there's no, I mean, they really shouldn't put him out there to me. And now hear me out on this, as far as a lineup construction, we put out um, Fulgham and uh, Hightower on the outside. And we put Deshaun Jackson in the slot for first down, mm. 
second down. And then on third down, you bring in your possession guy, Greg Ward to scoop up some, like, you know, he, he, cause he's great on third downs, but that, that speed package, you trot that out there on first and second down. And really, I, I think that's a tough matchup and he hasn't played a ton of slot. I mean, he hasn't really played barely at all for us, but I think out uh, Deshaun out of the slot is an interesting dynamic. And again, Hightower missed that deep ball. Uh, he was out of sync with Wentz uh, uh, on that other deep ball. I mean, you could say Wentz overthrew him, or there you watching the replay. He kind of like maybe had trouble tracking. He could have caught that. It looked like he slowed down a little bit, but then I give him credit for laying out for the ball. Um, so I, I think Hightower is still a guy that I want to see getting some reps. Obviously, you got to play Fulgham, and I think Deshaun brings you enough change of pace that he's worth being out there on the field. But I like him out of the slot there, and then maybe splitting reps and keeping Greg Ward out there on on third down because Greg Ward's, you know, the safeties are going to play up on uh, first and second down to guard the run. So to have Deshaun in the slot, maybe that pushes them back a little bit. They got to respect his speed. Uh, give Miles Sanders some easier boxes to run through. Talking quarterback, where the Wentz worry meter, I got him at a uh, a four right now. I liked a lot of what I saw. Still missing a couple things, uh, you know. Still stuff he has to clean up. But we're starting to see some like wow plays slowly work their way in. We saw some in San Francisco. We saw some here against the Steelers. Uh, I mean, I got him at a four right now where some, I mean, you know, after that second game, you could, you could put him up there with an eight. Uh, so Justin, what are you doing? Where are you at with Wentz right now? Uh, I got him at a six. Um, I just, I mean, kind of where he's at and the way he's played, he's, he didn't do anything really last week to impress me at all. I mean, he was average to below average quarterback. So, um, and I know his ceiling at, at this point, right from 2017 and he's nowhere near that. And he's nowhere playing even I'd say semi above average at this point, he threw that pick, which uh, I know was kind of 50, 50 him Ertz, whatever we want to say, but it still wasn't the best throw regardless. And um, it just didn't, he's, didn't do anything to impress me. The biggest things that I noticed were that um, he's not carrying the team in these big moments. If we're talking about the end of half last week, um, a good quarterback to a great quarterback is able to get us past that midfield uh, marker and then get us into field goal range. And he couldn't pull that off. And then in a crucial situation towards the end of the game, he got us a 57 yard field goal. Like, come on. And well, I don't understand this team and why we expect Elliot to always hit these 57, 58, you know, yarders just because he hit one sixty-one yarder. I mean, <laughs> you can't always expect that. You got to be able to do a little bit more with it. Um, I, I, I think Doug gets too conservative in those moments, and he starts to play for the long field goal instead of pushing the ball. Quite honestly, but I did let- like at the end of the half though. Wentz did go long. He tried that deep pass to Hightower. I think it was on second down. Um, and high tower, unfortunately missed it in the end zone. Um, <laughs> well, but- and then, and then how funny was that? Uh, our Sega white side finally comes up with yeah. a catch. I, I mean, I, I'm fine with one's throwing that it's worth a shot, but then he gets up signals for the first down <laughs> as time expires. It was, <laughs> it was just a classic JJ our Sega moment. Robbie, where are you at with the uh, Wentz overall in the season? Like 10 being uh, we have to trade him zero being uh, you know, he's, he's, completely on track here. 
I'm at a five. I'm I'm like 50-50 mixed bag. I mean, let's be honest. He looked better last week, but he still didn't look fantastic. He's still missing some throws. He is emerging a bit with, you know, Fulgham, obviously. They're they've got some connection, so there's reason for some positivity. But look, he, he has nine interceptions, first in the league. He had what, seven last year, the whole season. His I looked up really quick his average QBR this year. It's fifty-three point two. That is not good. So he's way in way too inconsistent. And I'll be honest, you can't even blame the O-line. He's the O-line has been playing pretty well the last few games. And I'll tell you what, again, props to Jordan Mylotta, the guy in his second start played well, not perfect, but he had a tough assignment against Bud Dupree and he held his own. The, The guy is proving he can play. Peters should not see the field again, at least not at left tackle. So, you know, with that said, I I can't even hold that against Wentz. It's not like the pressure's all over him. He has time to throw. So he just needs to be better. Again, I think we slipped into that Doug mode where there was way too many shotguns last week and, and he abandoned the rollouts again for whatever reason. But so I'm, I'm at 50 50. He has a lot to prove still. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm somewhat optimistic in that he's trending in the right direction with still a lot of uh, room to go. Speaking of quarterback trending in the wrong direction, Dak Prescott out for the season. I, I know you guys were really shooken up by the news. I took it in stride. It's a uh, there's some gladiators out there. I was, you know, I <laughs> I wasn't as uh, empathetic perhaps, but the Dak injury. I mean, does that? Does that give you more hope as an Eagles fan for this season? I feel like really it's not, it's not a huge change for the Cowboys because really their issue is just the defense. So the offense maybe had a chance of carrying them, but now Andy Dalton, I mean, yeah, he's, he's not horrible, but he's certainly worse than Dak Prescott. So I think it's going to even be put that much more pressure on their offense to kind of carry this horrific defense. So again, I, it's it's crazy to be optimistic at one three and one, but I still think we have. I mean, there's even like some of those uh, advanced analytics say we still have the best shot to win the division, which is kind of crazy uh, considering our record. But Justin, how does the DAC injury impact your view on the season moving forward? I mean, uh, uh, first of all, I I do feel bad for DAC. I'm just gonna put that Boo! out there, as an Eagles fan, because we're we're always thought of as being horrible fans, yada yada. But anyways. Yeah. Uh, with we that are. said, it does give me a little bit of hope. Um, I uh, I would like to say that uh, <laughs> as an Eagles fan, you like to think that Dak and say that he's not a good quarterback. But I mean, you know, realistically, he was having one hell of a season. So um, uh, fortunately for us, the defense just sucked. Um, and, but he was still able to, you know, win a couple of games there, um, or you could talk about a game and a half, maybe. Uh, but anyways. With that being said, uh, he, with him being out, it does help a little bit. Andy used to, you know, get a lot of hate when he was a starter. And now all of a sudden, since he's with the Cowboys, everybody thinks he's going to be the second coming. Um, I just don't see it that way. I don't think he's going to help them too much in offense. Um, remember there was no preseason. He hasn't gotten first team reps up until this week. So I don't know really what they can put in place for him for the next couple of weeks for him to be that successful. And for the team to be that successful, considering that the defense has been their biggest liability this season. So with Dak out now, it just makes it that much harder for them. Rob, where are you at? I know, uh, I know you and Justin, uh, 
you guys were uh, really shooken up by the Dak injury news, and uh, <laughs> you guys, you guys yeah, were texting look, me. Look. Will he's touch and go? Uh, of course, he did make it out. I mean, that was that was my reaction. Is they talked about him like this guy died, and like watching the Dodger game the next day, and they're they're doing helicopter shots of the of the stadium, and be like, this is where it happened yesterday. Dakota Rain went down. I mean. Yeah, I feel like ba- a guy gets a bad ankle injury. All right, I mean, if he never walks again, then I'll regret making fun of him. But I mean, he'll be fine. Rob, where are you at with the Dak injury uh, news? And and does and it's got to help the Eagles, right? All right, look. I, first of all, I feel for Dak. I don't think he's a bad guy. I, I don't, you know, he's a cowboy. I, I, don't, I don't wish anyone to be injured. Uh, obviously, yes, he's a cowboy. Look, it helps us, but does it really help us at the end of the day? Um, I mean, sure. Does it increase our chances to win the division? Yes. yes. Uh, we have to have a better chance. But, you know, okay, we're going to win the division, what, being like seven and nine, eight and eight? Like, where is it really getting us at the end of the day? It's almost like just creating false hope. So the cynic in me it, it is just like, uh, okay, whatever. And quite honestly, I don't think there's going to be that big of a drop off with, with Dalton. I mean, he's got such weapons on that offense. If he can just be serviceable and not make mistakes, it may not really change their record that much. Um, You know, and and Sean, quite honestly, you know, a a concern with how cavalier you were about this injury is we don't need bad karma turning to our team. I I think for our listeners out there, we, uh, that don't know, you know, we already know what happened with Sean's fat head. He had a fat head of, of Carson Wentz in his garage turned out the fat head was put on a seam that went over Wentz's knee. Probably no coincidence. Wentz had a knee injury that year. So I I just don't need Sean deflecting any more negative karma on our team. Well, see, I guess I feel like our karma is just beyond repair and that would the injury gods have just smited us so heavily that there there's no turning around and we may as well just look into the sun and laugh at the injury gods. And all the uh, all the potential injury mojo. All right, moving on to the Ravens game. Stock matchups. What we got to do defensively, offensively, but just one key matchup each side of the ball. We'll kick things off on the defense. To me, this is a this is an interesting one. I think it's on our defensive ends. They have to maintain contain. Like they have to. If we're not going to spy. Um, Lamar Jackson, uh, we got to figure out some way to let him not kill us with his legs. I'm obviously really worried about Mark Andrews uh, as well, but I, I think my key matchup is the defensive ends, you know, maintaining the pass rush and not letting him get outside and pick up some easy rush yards. Although I do think Lamar's knee is bothering him. But yeah, that's my that's my key matchup on the defensive side of the ball. Rob, give us a key matchup on the defensive side of the ball. Sean stole my thunder a little bit there, but look, the, the obvious answer one would think is it's on the secondary or, or, you know, don't let him throw, but he's not the best thrower out there. So it's on the defensive line. They need to contain. We need to actually force him to throw even against our secondary, which isn't great, but that would still play to our strength. If we're forcing him to throw, if we get in the situation where we're, my concern is that we're going to get pressure on him, but we're not going to contain. And if he rolls out of that pocket and gets past that D line, 
we are in trouble. I mean, you're going to have Nate Gary trying to chase him down. He'll be falling over his feet. It's just going to be a nightmare. We have no linebackers and our secondary suspect. So the, the key of the game actually is to keep him in the pocket and make him throw. Usually our, our secondary is the weakness that needs to step up in this game. We actually want them to get targeted because I think it plays to our strengths. Yeah, no, that's kind of an interesting workaround, and and Lamar hasn't really been lighting it up, uh, passing the ball. And you watch that Bengals game; like it, it seemed to me, they kind of blew out Cincinnati more, at, uh, creating a bunch of turnovers. They got a defensive touchdown, so it was it was more about that than necessarily anything going on the offensive side of the ball. Justin, throw it a uh, you got a key matchup here for the defense against the Ravens. I don't disagree with you guys with trying to contain Lamar, but I did notice he has he hasn't been scrambling nearly as much this season as last season, and you might be right about that knee. Uh, but I actually went a little bit in a different direction, uh, and you touched on it, Sean. You got to stop Andrews. I mean, he's he's so silent but deadly. I mean, he's a marquee tight end right now. Um, Eighteen catches for five touchdowns this season so far. Uh, last last game he had six catches for sixty or sorry for fifty six yards with the touchdown. So I mean he's going to be key. That's how Lamar gets his confidence with his throwing, um, and they can open up the field a little bit more with him. Especially in the red zone though, you got to shut down Andrews. Anytime you're around there, I mean five touchdowns in five games. That's pretty impressive. So um, just shut down Andrews, and I think we could possibly get something going. Well, yeah, and that's where um, who is it? Uh, Will Parks, I think the that guy they're talking about that's yeah. coming back. Supposedly he's he kind of would be playing the Malcolm Jenkins role and would be guarding a lot of these tight ends. So hopefully, I mean, knock on wood, he should be. I think there's an outside chance he plays Sunday, but probably more realistically Thursday against the Giants. So uh, yeah, that could be a, that could be an interesting one, um, and that'll certainly help the defense. But you're right, we can't let the tight ends kill us. They've they've been brutal this season. As far as a, a matchup on offense, man, Zach, I, I mean, I'm optimistic the Fulgham connection keeps going, but Zach Ertz needs to just wake the fuck up. And whatever Wentz needs to do to make that happen, whatever the coaches need to do to make that happen, he just can't have a a like a you know a four catches for nine yards game. He needs to have an impact. He needs to get a touchdown. He needs to get his confidence up. So yeah, I, I think Zach Ertz versus that secondary needs to happen uh, this week. Justin, what do we what do we got to see on offense? Um, I think we just need to convert on third down. I mean, it's something that we've we've been struggling with a little bit here and there. Um, but also with the Ravens defense, that's how they've been winning games. I mean, they've been holding teams to thirty six percent on third down efficiency. So, I mean, and um. Teams have only converted um, 33% of their fourth downs against the Ravens. So if we uh, get to those third down, fourth down situations, we got to be able to convert. Um, that would be my the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, third downs. I we actually did pretty good last week, but certainly have struggled with over the season and keeping that Ravens offense off the field and and not letting them have long drives. I think. Uh, will be helpful because it's easier to force the three and outs with the healthy, uh, like a fresh defensive line. Rob, what do you got to see from the offense against this uh, Baltimore defense? I think we need to see Wentz play a solid game and attack the defense. Um, you know, I think it's really between him and Fulgham. 
you know, I, I think those two have something going. And quite honestly, right now, they're the only spark on the offense. So if we're going to have a shot to win and to score with the Ravens, it really falls on those two to keep that connection going. Um, you know, I, I heard, you know, reading and, and, and listening this week, someone made a good point that, you know, the Ravens are not really a team that, that are built to play from behind. So if you yeah. can jump out on them early, get up by a touchdown or two, you know, it throws their running attack off and forces them to throw and, and push the ball a little more. And that's not really what they're built for. So that should be our goal. We should attack early. That's going to fall on Wentz and, and hope we can get a little lead and throw them off their game. Yeah. And that kind of, to me is connected to just one more uh, point as far as this, uh, the game. Doug just needs to stick in big balls mode. I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever been a gambler, like playing blackjack or rolling craps, you can't like when you're getting on a heater and when you're getting momentum, you can't like stop and think and like, Oh wait, should I, should I hit on this uh, 16 against the face start or should I stay? You just, or like, Hey, should I bet a little or a lot? It's like, if you're getting hot, you just need to keep pushing and pushing. That's what he did really well in 2017. And we've started to see a little bit of that aggressive Doug, but he hasn't stuck with it the entire game. And I like the going for two. I don't give a shit. And uh, I, I appreciate the aggressiveness. It gives the team a juice, some juice and a little bit of a pop. Um, and you know, we, the 49ers are chasing points that whole game. So I think if we get a touchdown early, I'm, I'm fine going for two, stay aggressive, but he needs to carry that through the entire game. And when you have a fourth and four or a 57 yard field goal, you just got to stick with the more aggressive play and not kind of start pussyfooting when it comes to the second half, kicking over to the fantasy aspect of the game thrive fantasy. Of course, we're partnering up with them. Use a the promo code SGP, get a uh, free $50 deposit match pretty fun. It's like uh, DFS, except you just do over under player props. The only uh, player prop they have for the NFL contest this Sunday related to the Eagles is Lamar Jackson over under 225 passing yards. I'm going under, and it's not that I'm optimistic about the defense. Just looking at his numbers, he just doesn't throw for that many passing yards. So I, I think there's regardless of who you think is going to win this game. I, I think under 225 and a half isn't a crazy um, is in a crazy angle. And I do think they're going to limit his contact and limit the shots he takes by using that three headed monster. They have at running back. So I, I like under here, Justin, are you co-signing? Or are you taking the over? I'm co-signing. I mean, right now he's averaging 180 yards a game. Um, so the only thing I worry about is uh, maybe if we do get up by a decent amount, he's going to be passing a lot more, but I'll, that's a good worry to have. So <laughs> I would just take the under here, Rob. How say you? Are you on team under? Or are you going over? I'm going over. I, I think the under sounds like the obvious play, but I think I, I think they're going to have to have a game plan. They're going to attack our secondary. You know why wouldn't they? Uh, and I think he's going over that number. Yeah. Well, Justin and I are huge squares. We always take the obvious bet, but I, I I'm I'm going to hang on to it. <laughs> as far as uh, fantasy guys in general, I, again, like it. You know, if you could have gotten Fulgham on your waiver wire, I, I think he's definitely worth it. I don't see how he's not involved in these games moving forward. I think it's an interesting uh, stack to do in DraftKings. Wentz is fifty six hundred, which again, very low uh, price, and I wouldn't be surprised. He, I think, as a fantasy play, he really could pay dividends if he gets you some of those rushing yards or rushing touchdown like he got in that Forty ers game, and he, you know, threw for a couple touchdowns. Fulgham. 
you know, he was at 3000 the past two weeks. They finally bumped him up to 4,400, but I think target share, it still makes sense to do that. Uh, Wentz Fulgham stack. I mean, Fulgham coming off a 34.2 uh, fantasy point performance. I don't know if we'll do that, but I still think at 4,400, he's a good value. Rob, any, uh, any players in this game jump out at you from a fantasy point of view? You know, I, I think, you know, Wentz probably isn't a bad play. That's not bad. I actually like if he plays, which you're not going to know later, I, I would probably take a flyer on Jackson. Yeah. I don't know what he's at, but you know, maybe he, get, he, he gets a couple looks coming back. So I, I I'd take a flyer on him if he's not too expensive. Well, that's interesting. Cause he is on DraftKings. He's priced at $3,900. And I mean, that's, that's even below that's below Fulgham by 500 bucks. Uh, and yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a bit of a long shot, but if you're trying to take down the millionaire maker, uh, which obviously I became, uh, I got really close that one time. I don't know if I ever brought it up, but <laughs> Justin, you were there, you experienced the magic, but I did. Uh, you need a couple of guys in this, in the three to 4,000 range that have a chance of getting a big touchdown and get you getting you nice, uh, nice points there. So 3,900 for Deshaun Jackson over at DraftKings. How about you, Justin? Any uh, any fantasy leans from this game? Uh, you know what? I, he might be a little expensive this week, but he's definitely kryptonite against us. He's he's the type of player who who uh, you know just stacks up horribly for us. Uh, would be Andrews um, if you're looking for a Raven there. Um, but then I Ooh. would go. With, I know, I know. Uh, but then you know I he would plays also, for the Ravens, right? right? Yeah, I know, I know. But you know, that's where I would put put it at. Uh, but then for us, I'd go with Wentz. I think if we're going to win, it's going to be on Wentz this, this week. Um, I think he could do it. He's started to feel the flow a little bit more. Hopefully um, has what looks to be a lot more confidence. So um, I would pick Wentz in this case. All right. Moving over to the Eagles nest. One player we think is going to step up, and make a difference in this game. Rob, you have the honors kicking it off. Who's your, who are you predicting to be the player of the game for the Eagles this week? Fletcher Cox. Ooh. All right. I think he's going to step up. I think he's going to disrupt a little on defense. Um, you know, along with the rest of the line, I think it's going to come down to them. Yeah. I mean, again, optimistic about the uh, defensive line. Feel like they got some pressure against Pittsburgh. Would have liked to seen a little bit more. But again, I, I think the reason we have a shot at this game is that it's a classic look ahead spot for the Ravens. They just played a division game against the Bengals where they blew them out. Now they go on the road to Philadelphia where we have 7,500 of the drunkest, angriest fans and craziest fans in attendance. And they have the Steelers coming up ahead. So uh, it's an easy opportunity for them to overlook this game and, and maybe get a wake up call from the defense who traditionally has played better at home and maybe the energy from the fans helps carry them. I, I like the defensive line angle. Uh, Justin, what are you doing here? Who are you picking to have a, the big game for the Eagles? I'm picking a guy that up until this season, you would have never thought needed to step up, but um, I think Ertz could step up. Finally, this game haven't really seen much of him this season. And I think um, he could be the difference. I think he's going to pull his head out of his ass for once and uh, come up with some big plays for us this week, especially with some more attention, obviously going to be put on a uh, full you would assume. So, yeah, no, I, I, and maybe that's what happens because 
the Ravens do have uh, more physical corners, and uh, maybe they'll be able to rough up Fulgham a little bit, get him off his spot, you know, mess with the rookie a little bit. I, I'm optimistic Fulgham, even though in this game and and long term, but playing that Ertz angle uh, certainly makes sense. I'm gonna go. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go Brandon Graham here to have the big game. I, I think BG he's always consistently getting pressure. Um, he he'll get some sacks. He's actually having a pretty good season overall. But I think th- I think this could be a nice game for Brandon Graham and the defensive line in general. Feels like a bounce back spot for them after a somewhat disappointing performance against uh, against the Steelers. I mean, he's still getting QB hits. And uh, he had four against the Bengals. He's had ba- he's every game he's had a QB hit or a uh, tackle for loss, with the exception of San Francisco, no tackle for loss there. But I I think this week he has a uh, a big week, and he's been playing like seventy or eighty percent of the snaps. I, I think he's the guy that has the uh, breakout game, and I'm predicting Brandon Graham will create a turnover, a strip sack, whatever it is, he will be involved. Uh, and I, and I think he has a big game and that brings me to the final score prediction. I'm going to call it right now <laughs> over at my bookie.ag they're a, uh, what are they? Eight point favorite. Doesn't matter. Or sorry. The Ravens are eight point favorite. Doesn't matter. The Eagles aren't going to need it. They're going to win out, right? Give it to me. They get 30 points for the first time. 31, 27 Eagles. Justin, what are you doing? Uh, I think this is actually a good matchup for us. Um, and I'm going to kind of go with what Rob said earlier. If we can get ahead, then they're going to be fighting from behind. And I think we can do that. So um, I went 28, 21 Eagles. I like it. Rob, what do you got? Sorry guys. I, I, I think we're going to play <laughs> the valiant fight, but I don't think we're pulling it out. I got 28 to 24 Ravens. Good news is they are going to cover the spread. Well, Rob, you know this is an Eagles <laughs> podcast. Hey man, You're I got me. Keep it real. Well, and uh, I'm bringing up a little trend. The Eagles are one and zero in games where Rob has picked against them. So, Justin, <laughs> we're all we got. We're all we need. Load up the oh, wedge wagon. It. We're getting. It. We're sneaking a victory, and uh, I don't think anyone's going to see this coming. Outright victory for the Birds. Let's go, baby. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Die Hard Eagles podcast. I'm Sean, stacking the money green. For Justin, for Rob, go birds. Go, go birds. birds. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.